Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler. Talking money and investing here. Man, what a like a tough week to talk about money and investing, right? So woke up this morning, of course, doing some research for the show, and then Wall Street Journal opened that up, and then all of a sudden you get hit with war. Great. <laughs> just I and I guess I probably should start off a little bit talking about this particular issue because you know there it, it, this these kind of things happen you know when you're uh, when you're investing and you're, you're dealing with your financial life and you're dealing with just trying to plan for retirement you think about okay how do events affect stock markets and, you know, I think it's a really teachable moment just talking about how events do affect stock markets because, you know, you look back at, at wars in our past, our past, you know, the U.S. and, of course, World War II being the, the really, really big deal. Uh, stock markets can go down in anticipation of war, and that's basically what happened in the late 1930s. And then when you get into war and then all of a sudden companies are producing different things to fight the war – Stock markets can go way up, and that's exactly what happened. You know, you had a big jump in the stock market. You know, it, it was really a huge, huge increase in value in different markets. And it didn't, wasn't just large companies, it was small companies and value companies, and all different types of companies really blossomed and took off during that period of time. But, you know, it's scary. You know, you're going through that period of time where you're just going, hey, what's going to happen? And this is the thing about stock markets that I think people get wrong. You'll hear people, I don't know, I don't, I haven't heard anybody say anything about investing regarding this. I think the bigger issue is so much deeper than investing. I mean, you look at what tragedy has befallen the folks in Israel today. And you go, man, anything you can talk about with investing pales in comparison to what's going on over there. Uh, and then you're hearing different politicians coming out and saying, hey, you know, we're in support of Israel. And, and that was kind of an eye opener. Didn't really know how that was going to be played out, uh, quite frankly. Nobody's really, you know, don't really know how people are going to respond to things. But that has been how they've been responding. But, you know, I think what happens is people can get into self-preservation. They can, you know, for a while, it's like when 9-11 happened, you know, you think when we, and then and some people are actually comparing this to, you know, this is Israel's 9-11 uh, because it was such a shock. And, and, you know, just proving that it doesn't matter who you are, you can have big surprises, whether you're Israel or the United States, you know, big surprises that just rock your world. So, you know, the, the thing that happened with 9-11 is, of course, it, it drew people together immediately. That was, I'll, I'll never forget being stuck out of the state with a young son, uh, my, my son Alex, and I were, we were stuck in New York. Of, of all places that you could be, we were stuck in New York. And I remember you know, being with my parents and, and going, oh boy, what on earth is going on? And then 
you know, ended up getting stuck. We didn't, we couldn't fly back. We couldn't fly back to Tennessee to be back with my wife and my new son because uh, we had another boy. But what ended up happening was we ended up stuck there and then came back. And then, of course, you know, the very first thing that happens is that we have all of these things going on in the park over in Goodlettsville, you know, people having memorials and, and they're having get togethers out at the park. And, and then what ended up happening was, uh, you know, people came together, but the stock market literally shut down during that period of time. Then it opened lower. And that's the lesson. You know, I don't know how any of this stuff is going to pan out. I, don't, I really don't know what's going to happen with markets. And, and people may be tempted to try to time the market, get out, because they're scared about what's going on, thinking that world is in turmoil, and now it's time to bail out or do something different or, or you know, put your money off in the sideline for safety's sake or, or whatever. But recognize that what happens is when the stock market opened after 9-11, it opened down immediately. Immediately, what happened is people were paying lower prices for stocks. And as a result, if you decided to get out, you ended up getting that lower price. And then, you know, you ended up getting low, that lower price. And then, you know, next year, 2002 was very, very rough. But, you know, nobody knew what 2002 was going to look like. Nobody really knew what it was going to look like. But then you had 2003 it was a meteoric jump in value in 2004 was in 2005 and 2006 and the problem with market time is you got to be right twice right ira that is absolutely correct and that's the challenge man well and, and this these are the type of things that are very tempting for an investor to really try to time the market mm -hmm. what you know and think about this the markets are going to be crazy um monday um, maybe. No, nah, maybe, maybe uh, well, because quite of, possibly. Because there'll probably be some a little bit of uncertainty. But you know, we don't know what's gonna happen over the next twenty four hours is right. the problem, right? right? No, we don't know what's gonna happen over the next we don't know what's gonna happen over the next six hours. No, we don't. And I know that my brother in law is sixty five years old. He was just called in. So he he lives part time here, part time in the States, mm -hmm. in Israel. Mm -hmm. And his unit, I mean he's sixty five. Okay. He was called his in. every unit in Israel has been called up. Wow. Okay. So when, you know, and I know there has been a, a big move over there. I've been seeing the troop, uh, the troop vehicles loaded up and they're, they're headed off and, and there's a lot going on over there, man. Yeah, there is. That I, I knew you would have a really strong opinion and, and a point of view regarding this so I was, well, I was really i was i was so glad that you were on the show today because because of what's going on and your background and, and family and, and so on and so forth yeah if, yeah I, i'm actually not allowed to state my full opinion here on the radio um because um i would totally be blocked on go to jail on facebook um <laughs> wait a minute you would go to <laughs> well you're not you, say, you know maybe off air you tell me something well, i'm not sure you know if you say <laughs> something going, what are you that talking about is, well if you say something that's not in line with the um socialists on facebook <laughs> if you say something that is considered to be like threatening other people uh, they put you in jail for 30 days, meaning you cannot post anything else. Even if it's like, hey, Paul, I love you. You know, you can't even post that. Um, but 
<laughs> you know, this is this is typical. Not sure where he's going with this, but you know, no, I'm just I mean, all right. So this is typical. I remember the first time I went to Israel was 1987, mm-hmm. uh, and after I left Israel, I was there for uh, two weeks. After I left, um, the Intifada broke out in in 87. And it's just been crazy. It's very typical of terrorists, especially, you know, the Islamic terrorists to uh, start a war or th- or invade the country, drop bombs uh, during uh, the Shabbat, which every week in Israel, you know, they celebrate Shabbat. The whole city, you know, most of this, the country does shut down. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because it's considered the, the one Sabbath. of the holy days, Sabbath, right? Yeah. Um, but just, not I'm only just that, translating for anybody that today, doesn't know what that is. But today is also a very holy Jewish holiday mm-hmm. called Tzachat Torah, and we'll get into that. Right, right. But right. you know, the reality is, it's like you know, the country was a lot more, let's say, not on high alert or the highest alert. They were a lot more relaxed because of the holiday. Right. And that's what cowards do. They bully, they attack people who they perceive to be weaker. Well, it's kind of like Pearl Harbor, you think about it. It was on a Sunday, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were off at church and doing the things that they did on a Sunday, and they were not on a high alert like they normally would be. So right. their defenses were down. Right. But you know, going back to you know different time periods, like you said, you know, even when the market does go down, you know, people will be tempted to drop out at the worst time. Um, and they'll be staying out, and then the rebound that happens usually happens so fast. Yes, and you know, and it's big, and it's usually big. You know, the biggest ups. You look historically at investing, uh, the biggest ups in the markets are right after a significant drop. Yeah, I did a video on that, and it was really, really interesting looking back at history. And that was the point being made: was that the jumps are so fast. Mm-hmm. Forget it. You're not getting in on time. No. And and there's no way to figure out. And, and what causes the up to happen is news that nobody's predicting. That's why I made the comment because, you know, so many people are saying it's going to take months and months and months and months and months. You know, this is going to be really, really long. And I'm going, I don't know yet. Maybe. And then that's quite possible. It could be a long period of time that this is going on. But we can't account for news that comes out that is just totally out of the blue. No, and news is really the only thing that does cause prices to start to change. Um, you know, and that's why it's called news, because it's new information mm-hmm. that is released, whether it's a war, whether it's a plane crash, um, and so that affects Boeing, um, whether it's, uh, you know, a... A, a self-driving car will affect an electric car company, perhaps. Well, and then, or, and then, of course, you have defense companies and contractors during World War II, and, and companies in general, manufacturers, took off like crazy during the war because they had to produce things for the war effort. Mm-hmm. You know, so you'll have whoever the benefactor is going to be. And it just, you know, when we look back at history and we go, what is going to cause markets to do what they're going to do? Well, it depends who's going to be positively benefited and negatively affected by those changes that really is going to drive things. And you don't know because as time goes on, new information comes out and says, oh, those companies and those areas are going to be benefited from that. And then, of course, you don't know what's going to happen as far as how other countries are going to be reacting to what's happening mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, and, and that's very true. And, and I think, you know, for most investors, we tend to look at it from a perspective of, I don't want to get hurt. 
mm-hmm. you know. So, therefore, when the markets are going down, what we what we fear or what we we get concerned about is I'm going to lose more money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of any studies that are done. Maybe you do, Paul. That have about investors that took a purposeful or an intentional action that when everything seems to be going to heck in a handbasket, oh, we're just investing right now. And then Mm -hmm. when the markets go up and they seem to be going up so much when most investors say, oh, you know what, I'm going to get in now because things are looking really good. So, you know what, I'm going to get out. We I don't. don't see, I, I don't know any studies that because yeah, that is absolutely opposite human nature. Right. We don't have any. <laughs> yeah, really. right. We don't have any studies on what I would call market timing in reverse. No, and of course we just can allude back to the studies that have been done on market timing with pension plans, for example. And one hundred percent of them in the one Brinson Hood Bauer study mm-hmm. actually had worse returns as a result of their market timing efforts. Right. And then of course you look at fund managers, and and ninety plus percent of them, depending on the asset class you're looking at, underperform the asset category over fifteen years, and. Really, if you look at why did they underperform, it was because of two things, stock picking and market timing. So you look at the anecdotal evidence there. Well, not necessarily anecdotal so much, but it's it's real evidence. Uh, But they, you know, it's not just isolated. Uh, And you see that engaging in those types of activities just is not helpful. And, And hence, when we look at that and say, well... Are there any research studies on people actually doing the other way? I think he'd be like, "Where are those people?" I don't think I, you know, I don't think those people, if they are out there, if they want to tell you that they're out there. Like, if I knew what stock was going to win this year, right. why would I tell you? So, if well, I, but, but then you would you would have. I, I have done studies looking that if you did have good market timing ability, what would happen? How much money would you have? And let's just put it this way: nobody's that rich. But no, let's say somebody really had that ability, right? Why would they tell you what to do? Like if I, if I had the six winning lottery numbers tonight, Mm -hmm. would I tell you what they are? Say, Hey, play, you know what? I got the six winning lottery. Yeah. Why would you dilute the winnings? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It would make no sense. Yeah. But I think that like if any investors are concerned about what might be happening to our stock market, you know, with this war now and the war that's continuing in the Ukraine, um, I wouldn't make any investment decisions about it. I would just continue to just, you know, stay diversified, stay, um, stay invested, uh, continue to rebalance the portfolio, you know, know what your limits are and just let your portfolio do its job. Because one thing that we know for sure, we don't know what's going to happen over the next six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, mm-hmm. one month, three months, five months, next year, or next two years. Mm-hmm. But we do know that the next 100% move in the stock market will be an up move. It has always so, been an up move. Right. Yes. So just stay disciplined, stay invested. Don't let this, you know, think, you know this, this event, and it's a major event. You know, there's been over 100 people killed. There, you know, um, there's been hundreds injured now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see more uh, deaths along the way. Um, they've already you know, said there's been um, almost 200 um, people in Gaza killed now in retaliation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been watching it. You know, so, been, yeah. But, you know, it's going to have, you know, based on history, it'll, it'll have a short-term effect when you look at 
how long is your life in the market going to be? This is going to be a short-term effect. And I think that is a very good note to uh, close out the segment on. I think that's really good, a really good thought. And you think about if you're an older investor, uh, chances are really good. If you've listened to this show for any period of time, you're going to have a significant amount, if your time horizon is shorter, of assets in fixed income investments. And that is your safety net to help you ride out these types of things. And I'm not even saying what's going to happen in the market over the next few weeks. I have no clue. It could be up. I mean, you know, really, you just do not know. It could be something that is, you know, actually beneficial in ways that you just wouldn't even be thinking about. So really good advice. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. So um, Ira, don't go into accounting. Don't, don't go don't, into accounting? Don't, don't go into accounting. <clears throat> you know what? I'll be 63 in February, oh, and yeah. I have absolutely no <laughs> interest in changing <laughs> no, careers Your career's longer. good. Okay. All right, Nick, don't go into don't, accounting. Paul, just don't fire me. <laughs> Leviticus, don't go into no accounting. Paul, just don't no fire taken. me. Uh, no taking. <laughs> don't give me a reason to have to find a new career. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> You're funny. <laughs> uh, why no one is going into accounting in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this is, they were talking about salaries. You know, this is interesting because we're talking about the possibility uh, in the next couple of years, you know, 2025, the tax law changing back to previous the numbers where it was, you know, you have a 10 and 12% tax bracket going to a 15, uh, 22 and 24% tax bracket going to a 25, you know, are we going to do that? You know, there's a lot of political pressure not to raise the taxes back again to where they were at previous levels. Uh, if you're in a 39.6 before you drop down to 37% right now. So you know, what happens is that whenever you have a new regime that moves into Washington and Congress gets together the tax code becomes way the heck more complicated. I mean, like really, really complicated. So what's been happening is a lot of people have been just going, forget it. <laughs> I'm not going into accounting. It's too complicated. There are too many things to know. It's too hard. It was interesting in this article in the Wall Street Journal, they, they actually interviewed this lady and, um, and, and, you know, we have Brian here and, and then Evan both here at the company that are enrolled agents. And, you know, but thankfully well, they're Arlene, not. Arlene also. Oh, Arlene is. Well, it's good grief. You're right. Arlene is as well. Uh -huh. 
You got a lot of enrolled agents. Yep. What a bunch of nerds around this place. Good grief. <laughs> I love them. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, they're they're going into it. But you know the the reality of it is is a lot of people are are just stay there. Or they they have you know they have the degrees more just to make some make some better planners and you know helps with planning and and things that they can do in that particular area and help with taxes. It's great having them around. But you know they're talking about uh, professors waving students away from accounting, warning students that classes would be very rigorous. And, you know, especially when you get into the CPAs type type of stuff, uh, th that type of work can be really brutal. Um, they said that this one lady, one one girl was she was president of, of the association on campus, the accounting association or or there was um, I, I guess it wasn't wouldn't be called an associate. She was president of the University of Houston Student Accounting Society. And even she was unsure whether she was going to pursue a CPA. Uh you know, I think things could be interesting because one of the things that they're saying as a possibility as to why it may not be uh, that, that people are not going into it and what might be the solution for it in the future, maybe AI, uh, that people will be able to get a lot more of their information on accounting from AI, hmm. which is, I think is interesting. That is very interesting. Um, I think also when, when you think about the fact that we have all these software packages like QuickBooks and all of those mm -hmm. things, and you have TurboTax and mm -hmm. a couple of the others. You know, maybe they're looking at it and saying, you know, there's no need for personal accounting. Well, and it, it is it is hard, you know, it is hard to tell whether that's one of the big reasons, but you still have somebody that needs to interpret some of these things. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is that, you know, with AI, it'll be interesting to see if you can ask AI, hey, I got this situation. Here's what my company is like, and here's what I'm doing. I don't know if you've ever put a query into AI, but it's fascinating how detailed your question can be, and then how detailed the answer can be. And it, that's even with the cheap versions. <laughs> well, I've, been, I've been blown away by some of the things that actually come out and and how how lucid the answers are. Uh, so who knows where it's going to be? You know, no, Paul, you can't take that deduction because that would be, and this is why you can't take that deduction. You know, who knows? Yeah. Well, I remember when I was graduating college back in 1982, mm -hmm. um, I used to, I, I took my accounting courses. 1982. Yeah. My career was in business. So that was my high school graduation yeah. year, by the way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> He's got me by a couple um, of years. <laughs> yeah, I had you by a few years. Um, but in any event, what you know, I remember I hated accounting classes. Uh -huh. I absolutely hated them. That's why I didn't go into accounting. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember accounting in college. Yeah, that but, was that was that was fun. But the thing that was interesting, mm -hmm. which I knew, and I actually guided, you know, the kids of friends of mine. Uh -huh. uh, you know, the, the parents that were friends when I was like in my. 40s and 30s and so forth, uh, and their kids were getting ready to go to college. I remember one in particular, but I'll, I mean, let me digress. But I, I remember that when the accounting students were graduating with a four-year degree mm -hmm. without their CPA, mm -hmm. the starting salary back then was like 50 grand. What? Yeah. And the, the, the two highest salary jobs with a four-year degree back then were accounting and engineering. And now, now, that surprised me because they actually gave what the accountants right now, 74000 Yeah, well, 
And you look at that and you say, wait a second, inflation adjusted from back when you were doing it mm-hmm. to now? When I graduated college, yeah. Because if you- like $50,000. Okay, so you take you take $50,000. I have no clue where it was back then. But, you know, you just take it just from, oh, man, that, that has got to be. Because you look at it from year 2000, 50000 right now, you need somewhere in the neighborhood of 80000 to do what 50000 did in just the year 2000. But you're going back another 18 years. Yeah. That's- so I, like I said, another 18 uh, years, I mean, what? Wow. Like I, said, I just hated it. I just hated my accounting classes. Uh, I have never, ever done a tax return for myself. Um, you know, I've always paid people to do it. I believe in using professionals for their experience and their knowledge. Um, but I, I, I had one friend of mine, his son wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he wanted to go into sports law. Mm-hmm. And I had, and I said, well, he was getting ready to go to college. And I said, what are you going to study as an undergraduate? He said, history. I said, do you want to be a teacher? He yeah. said, no, why? Uh-huh. I said, well, what if you don't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. law? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do mm-hmm. with a history degree other than become a teacher? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what do you suggest? I said, my recommendation to you would be go to college, get a degree in accounting. Now, it's the hardest of all the business disciplines there is. Mm-hmm. But you're, you'll end up having to skip some of the fun activities that your friends are doing because they have to, you know, you're going to have to study for the accounting stuff. But when you graduate, you're going to be so disciplined in your studies that, that when you go to law school, the studying will be easy. That's true. Studying is a skill. So I spoke to him in his, after his first year of law school and he said, what the heck were you thinking with that advice? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, and I got a little nervous. And I'm like, why? And he said, because it was really good. I did exactly. Oh, no. Okay. Well, we thought you were going the other day. Nick and I are sitting here just dying. And he said, I, I did exactly what you said. I got my undergraduate degree. In it. Oh, and I also told him that. You know, going into law. <laughs> I, dude, we were set up there. I mean, we, we were set up in a big way on that one. But I, I also told them, and if you want to go into law, there's a very little fine niche called tax law mm-hmm. for corporations. Right. Where you find all of the loopholes for the corporations to help save them taxes. Mm-hmm. I said, and you can probably start a job with $100,000 a year. I was going to say, write your own ticket, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, for after his first year of law school, he's like, well, what, what were you thinking when you told me that? Yeah. And he's like, because it was really great advice. Yeah, he said, I did really good on the, on the law school admission test. I got in. I got a job working for a clerk. And law school, studying for law school is a lot easier. Than a lot of the people that I see. That is so interesting because you look at how hardships shape us. Mm-hmm. And that is a perfect example of how hardship shapes us. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. 
Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.